Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. Well, we got no games on this Tuesday, but why not make it a twofer on the podcast front? This is episode one of two on this lovely Tuesday morning. Fantasy NBA Today. I'm your host, Dan Bespris, and we're going to demo kind of a new type of show. I've been wanting to do this, actually, well, frankly, for a couple of years, uh, but it's only this season that my younger child is finally in preschool for more than three hours a day, and that opened up a little bit of time. So it's the official first episode of a buy-sell weekly feature here on Fantasy NBA Today, and I am very excited to have a guest for the first episode of this buy-sell feature. We'll kind of see how it goes. The great Raphael Johnson over at uh, Roto-World, NBC. What's what's accurate right now? It's back to Roto-World, right? It is back to Roto-World. Thank uh, goodness. A bit confusing for us, too. But, yeah, we're back to, <laughs> I guess you'd say, square one. So It's a good uh, square. to be here. First episode. Yeah, first buy-sell show. By the way, can I just, and I don't want to spend too much time on the whole name change thing, but I know we went through one as well. We were hoop ball for a while. Became yeah. Sports Ethos when we added other sports to the mix because we weren't just hoops anymore. Mm-hmm. But for you guys, Roto World is such a strong, powerful brand. I mean, that was like basically mm-hmm. the only site in fantasy for the better part of like a decade and a half. So it's really nice to have you back to Roto World. It makes all of our lives, I think, a lot easier. But by the way, you can find uh, Raf on Twitter at Raphael J R A P H I E L L E J. I want to spell that for the folks that are uh, either not watching or listening after the fact. And I'm going to just basically be kind of lightning rounding it a little bit here with names, Raf. And I want you to let me, let everybody know, is what we're seeing real? Is it going to get better? Is it going to get worse? Is it going to roughly stay the same? We'll go through some of the buzzy names, some of the big news that's going on right now. And then maybe the thing that people are most interested in, which is some high draft picks that have been underperforming pretty dramatically through the early part of the season. Um, is it time to panic? Is it time to wait? Is it time to buy potentially? Are are you comfortable is my only question before we dive into this. I am comfortable. Um, All right. Hopefully we can help the listeners and viewers too. All right, let's get it going. Um, I don't have any visual aids for today's show, so folks are just going to have okay. to remember the names that we're talking about. And the first one that I wanted to start with, uh, we'll go rookies first because everybody knows that I am generally afraid of them. Uh, I did have Chet Holmgren on my target list, which is very weird for me. It felt strange and unusual to not have a super old player as one of the guys I was looking at. But let's just start with Chet. Is what we've seen so far a sustainable number for him? He's number 11 in nine category leagues right now. 17 points, eight boards. A block, uh, two and a half blocks, a steal, two three pointers, fifty six percent from the field, ninety percent at the free throw line. There's some pretty juicy stuff going on there. Can he maintain that, or are there things that are likely to come back down to earth a little bit? I don't think he'll be a first round guy for the whole season. Um, uh, that's more a byproduct of some of the guys behind him. I think you've, we've seen some slow starts, guys possibly rebounding as injury situations and the like clear up. But in terms of Holmgren, you really have to like the defensive production, you know, the high percentages that he's putting forth. Um, those are areas that I think he can maintain. Um, so I think if anything, you're just more thinking about who's behind him and who can possibly surpass him guys with higher usage rates who may be underperforming right now. 
I think he can be like a third round guy. I think a few of us, like, there's no way there's two rounds difference between him and Victor Wembanyama. As good as Victor is and has been thus far, Chet's an outstanding player himself in his own right. And I think that may have been forgotten due to the fact that he missed all of last season. So I'm not buying him being a first round guy, but I don't think he's going to fall off very much, to be honest with you. Do you think, and this is gauging public perception, which is kind of a hard thing to do, especially this early in the season, do you think that there's a sell market on Chet, or do you think the best move is just to ride it out because it's going to be pretty darn good even if it's not quite all the way this good? I'm holding um, because we also haven't seen him with the other Jalen Williams in the rotation, um, You know, who had a very good rookie season out of Arkansas. I think he led the NBA in, in charges drawn last year, too. It's kind of his selling point in college as well. Being able to pair up Chet with like a physical big, that may be able to take his game to another level in some respects, especially the shot blocker, being able to play off the ball is kind of like that center field type player in a sense. So we haven't seen that yet. That would be the reason why I would hold, because if that works out, maybe I'm completely wrong and he will be a first round player for the whole season. Let's move over to Victor, who was the next one on the board uh, that we were going to talk about, and you mentioned him anyway in passing there. Uh, Wembenyama right now, um, there was fear that he might sit out the back-to-back. He did not. His numbers are not that different than Holmgren's other than the percentages. In fact, right now, they're within two and a half points of each other. Uh, their rebounds are almost a dead heat. I think Holmgren has like maybe one assist on him. Wembenyama, something like .2 or .3 defensive stats. But Victor, 46% from the field, 76% at the free throw line, and then not surprisingly, much higher turnover number because, well, Mm -hmm. the ball is just sort of in his hands to begin plays a little bit more often. He's currently ranked 40th in nine cat, higher than that in eight. Have we seen, I mean, it's like putting the ball on the tee with the way I was about to phrase that question, but have we seen the ceiling yet for Victor and Assuming you're going to say no to that first part, yeah. <laughs> how long How long do folks you think need to wait to see even more out of him? Because it's pretty impressive already. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we haven't reached that point. And I don't think the ceiling is going to be dependent on what he does. Uh, the reason why I say that, they've been playing without a true point guard in that starting lineup. You know, it's been Jeremy Sohan, so he's effectively learning on the job. Um, I thought with Trey Jones as the starter, even though he's not the sexiest point guard option, having a true point guard out there can be beneficial to Victor because we've seen at times where he's gone stretches without the basketball. Um, Kind of just floating on the perimeter, maybe looking for the ball, guys not finding him. I think that's something where the ceiling can, where he can, you know, push things up even higher than what he is right now. You certainly have to like what what you're seeing thus far. But I think the biggest question is going to be, does Greg Popovich stick with Sohan at the point all season long? And if he does, does Sohan improve in terms of getting guys involved? Or does he go back to a more traditional point guard? So I think that's the biggest question for me. Is there any kind of trade market for Victor Wembanyama? I'm assuming the answer to this is no, because people basically drafted him at whatever it was, 15, 18 range. Like, you can't buy on that. No one's going to give up Victor right now. It feels like the only move here is... Wherever he is, just see what happens because it's going to be fun. Yeah, pretty much. I'm sure we'll get into some bigs who have kind of underperformed this far later in the show, but you're not going to be able to put them on the board in exchange for Victor Wembanyama at this point. 
Yeah, that's kind of what I figured. I want to do one more rookie because Victor and Chet, those are the giant name rookies. But there's actually another one out there who's, in my eyes, been maybe more impressive, which, okay, fine, perhaps that's a bit hyperbolic, but whatever. Uh, and that's Ozar Thompson, who's been unbelievable so far. His fantasy game, I think we like we knew that there was this, uh, this this like s defensive stats. We knew there were going to be rebounds. We knew there were going to be assists. But I think, at least me personally, I thought there was going to be this big learning curve at the beginning of the year. Mm -hmm. And we already got this this unbelievable line from him in, in what? Game six? Four steals, four blocks, nine boards, four assists in that ball game. He's been, he's been crazy so far. What do you think the rest of this season holds for Osar Thompson? He's been outstanding. Um, I think... He became the first, either the first Pistons rookie or first Pistons player since Grant Hill in 94 to have four steals in back-to-back -back games. Um, and you watch his defensive instincts. The young man clearly knows what he's doing on that end of the floor, which is why Monty Williams put him in his starting lineup, and he's not going anywhere anytime soon. I think maybe we underestimated him just because of the fact that he was playing off the ball a lot, overtime elite, where his twin brother was on the ball. So maybe we, the offensive questions overrode uh what what else mm. he can bring to the table you know so i think that may have played a factor into it if you have him i don't think there's any way i'm selling him because you're in a category league this guy can win you steals almost by himself in a given week so the percentages have been solid um i, I really like what he's doing thus far so yeah I, I, he's a firm hold Folks, picture this nightmare scenario. You're hosting friends for the big game. It's neck and neck in the fourth quarter, and suddenly you realize you're out of drinks. Ooh, say all of your friends. You start to sweat. Your friends turn on you. You're forced to go on a last-second drink run and end up missing the game-winning touchdown while in line. Oh, no. Terrifying, isn't it? Luckily, you can avoid the drama with Drizzly, the go-to app for drink delivery. With Drizzly, you can shop a huge selection of beer, wine, and spirits, then get them delivered right to your watch party. Compare prices across multiple stores in your area, find the best deals on game day drinks, and get back to armchair quarterbacking from, you guessed it, your armchair. Download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y.com today. Must be 21 plus, not available in all locations. For me. I'm blown away. Like, you know, the free throw percent is at 82. The field goal percent mm -hmm. has been at relatively low, but he's not taking that many shots yeah. so far. And it feels mm -hmm. like that's a number that could even go up as the, as the season mm -hmm. progresses. I agree with that because he... He's already earned the trust of Monty Williams. And I think the more minutes you get and under those circumstances, the more opportunities you will have to score the basketball. Now I just need to get Cade Cunningham to stop giving away possessions. <laughs> and I think we'll be on to something. Yeah. And he's actually uh, one of the players that we have dialed up for later in the show. And actually, yeah. frankly, we can just, we can just jump to Cade. Let's just stay in Detroit mm -hmm. on this one because it has been uh, a rough start for him. This is, I don't want to say a little bit of an I told you so for me, uh, but it's a little bit of an I told you so for me because he's, yeah. he went he was starting 
if we go back to all the way to think uh, when leagues opened in in early August at Yahoo, at least that's where I was running off of, and his mm-hmm. ADP was something like fifty. And every two okay. weeks, it seemed like he was going six, yeah. seven slots sooner. And at a, at a certain point, you're starting to think, okay, well, this is like, how far can he get pushed up the board? A guy who does have those turnover and field goal percent issues. But this isn't about knocking Cade because right now he's at number 193. I think we all know that's not something that's mm-hmm. going to last. And in eight cat, he jumps like 110 slots because he's yeah. at five and a half. Five and a half, I repeat again, five and a half turnovers per game. This is like Russ playing with his eyes closed type of number. Um, twenty-three Still has 23 points, two and a half threes, seven assists. The defensive stats are not where they were in his rookie season. you got to figure those are coming back. This, As much as I'd like to, again, this is a little bit of like an early season victory lap for me. At the same time, it also feels like a pretty intense buy low on him. Both of those things can yeah. be true, right? Yeah, I would say so, um, because like you meant, the turnovers are, are what's weighing him down right now. Now, the field goal percentage isn't great. I think a little under 42%, but I can see him getting that up to 44. You know, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility because he's a gifted offensive player. It's just that the decision-making right now hasn't been on. Maybe that's partially due to the rest because he missed a, a large chunk of last season. Yeah, um, Getting getting used to, to different pieces on that on the floor – and also, you don't have like a Bojan Bogdanovic, not like the greatest player in terms of fantasy value, but he's a, a, a consistent offensive option that they don't have out there right now. So maybe getting him back eventually can help. But if that comes at the expense of outside Thompson, I don't think that's going to happen. You know, yeah. So it, it's he's going to have to figure something out. Um, but the decision making really has to improve. No way can he average five and a half turnovers per game for an entire season. I sincerely hope not. Yeah. I think you're just kind of banking on turning things around in that category, if anything. Yeah. I mean, that's like such a severe weight on everything that's going on right now. Mm-hmm. This is Here's the, the tougher part for Cade. Uh, by the way, he's number 69 in eight cat. So the difference there, 130 slots because of the turnovers. Um, but that's not even the main point. The main point is, like you said, it's sort of him against the universe right now on offense with no boy on. And I don't want to give Alec Burks too much credit, but he was actually kind of he helpful. Good, yeah. yeah. A couple of ball mm-hmm. games he was upright before he got hurt. Uh, those things matter to have guys that can space the floor, guys that can do stuff with it on offense when you get them the ball. And so for Cade, it's like, I don't know where anybody's going to be. I don't have spacing around me. All those things feel like they're going to get better. But now my question for you, Raf, and again, talking to Raphael Johnson of Roto World at Raphael J on Twitter, how high does Cade get? Does he get to where he was drafted, which was like 25 to 35 range, or are you buying now maybe with more of a target like 50 or 60? What are you looking for him to get to if you were going to try to buy low on him right now? Yeah, I don't think he's he's going to get to where a lot of people are drafting him. I had him in like mid-30s. I don't think he's going to get to that point. Um, you're hoping he can get to top 50 uh, by season's end. But I don't know if he'll be there. So I'm thinking like top 75. You know, if you're looking to buy low, you're kind of hoping for that type of ceiling for him uh, in nine cat. Yeah. You know, but I think <laughs> the, the point you made about spacing is, is, is huge because – Monty Williams is really valuing the defensive end of the floor. Killian Hayes is starting for that reason. But as we all know, he really doesn't offer much from a spacing standpoint. He does not. Um, so 
The one guy who could potentially do that is Jaden Ivey, but he's been out with illness recently. And even before that, his minutes were decreasing because he's a liability defensively. So if anything, would a potential partnership of Cade and Marcus Sasser make sense? You know, Marcus Sasser didn't play well Tuesday, but he had a, a good run of games there recently. He can, she's a capable shooter, but does that make sense? You know, I think there's so many questions there from a spacing standpoint that if you buy low, you're banking on the Pistons kind of figuring it out eventually. Let's go to the next. Uh, I I wanted us to to talk about James Harden for a minute, but we're sort of into these underperforming stars mode. So actually, let's just keep going on that front, and I'll work my way up a list that I sent Rob before we got on air. The next name is Pascal Siakam, who's uh, he was another one that was kind of a, a weird draft day play because we didn't know if he was going to be in Toronto all season. Mm-hmm. The hope was that if he was in Toronto all season, that with uh, Freddie Van Vliet gone, that everybody would just sort of get a little bit more. So far, basically everything that Van Vliet was doing has gone to Scotty Barnes. <laughs> almost like almost <laughs> everything. And Dennis Schroeder, who's doing way more than I expected this year, too. What's uh, What do we make of Pascal's slow start? Because not only is he shooting the ball very poorly, which is the kind of thing where you can say, okay, that's like 41% from the field, that's not a number that's going to hold. But the field goal attempts are way down for Siakam right now. Are you concerned? Are you buying? Are you selling? Where does this season go for Siakam? I'm very concerned and I'm selling. Ah, Um, interesting. Because the reason why I say this, like there's also the variable of not knowing what type of offensive system they're going to run. And a new head coach, obviously. So things changed. Um, The spacing hasn't been great i would say uh it's been more geared towards barnes obviously i don't know if barnes can sustain the perimeter shooting that he's that he's uh provided thus far siakam's usage has dropped like six percentage points yeah and when you talk about a guy who's had the ball in his hands so much that's a serious decline um so if you're buying on him i think you're kind of banking on a on an in-season trade And at that point, you have to assume that he would be moved to a contender. And what's his usage going to look like there? You know, I don't think there's a guarantee his usage is going to, you know, spike up with a change of scenery. So the skill, you would expect that he has enough in his toolbox to kind of make up for the poor shooting in other areas, but it really hasn't happened thus far. So I'm leaning sell right now, to be honest with you, Siakam. Yeah, I'm a little worried myself. I think maybe it's a little bit like what we just talked about with Cade, where he's going to be better than he is so far, but is he going to get to a point where buying on him makes sense? And it feels like the answer to that is kind of a no. Like, you could buy low on him, but you're still going to have to pay a decent price in a trade, Mm -hmm. and it might not be cheap enough yet. Now, if he keeps this up for another week or two, then you might get to a point where that price is sort of the price is right kind of thing. Maybe there is then value for him to uh, to exceed that a little bit. Um, let's keep uh, moving up the board. Carl uh, Anthony Towns is the next one I wanted to talk about. He's off to uh, an interesting start because his team is winning, which I also feel really good about. I was high on the Wolves this year. I thought Mike Conley was going to be a nice stabilizing force. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of things for Cat look pretty good good so far um it seems like 
the the main pieces in Minnesota are are coexisting better than they did last year. Um, the steals and blocks haven't completely evaporated like they had. Uh, I think the year before, like the steals are a little higher. Blocks are about the same this last year. Rebounds are ticking back up a tiny bit. Assists are a little bit down. And it really feels like we're off the one thing that's jumping out as a ridiculous number is that Cat is shooting what? Like 38, 39% from. Yeah, yeah, that's that feels unsustainably low, right? Yeah. Yeah, I think he'll bounce back. Um, the man did proclaim himself the best shooting big man of all time. <laughs> Got to be confident, so, man. I'd admit, yeah, I, I, I respect the confidence. Um, I'm a Dirk Nowitzki guy personally, but, you know, whatever. Um, yeah, he's not going to shoot 38% for the whole season. I, I think he'll be okay. I think he can get that back to mid-40s at minimum. Um, so I'm not too concerned about him. You know, as you mentioned, he's doing a lot of the other things well. So I think he'll be okay, personally. I think you can afford to wait this out if you have him rostered. Yeah, and just like scanning all these peripheral numbers, he's probably not going to be the cat of four years ago or whatever when there wasn't an Anthony Edwards, there wasn't a Rudy Gobert. You know, he was taking 18 shots and seven free throws a game, and he was basically just trying to do everything for that team. But it feels pretty reasonable. Like right now, his field goal attempts are pretty much in line with two seasons Mm -hmm. back, and the big drop-off there is 14% field goal, largely because he couldn't throw a three-pointer in the ocean right now. He's at, <laughs> I think, 24% from downtown. But everything else seems kind of fine for him. So then this gets us to the second half of the cat equation, which is what do we think it would take to get him? Because he was largely drafted in that kind of, uh, I'd say, 18 to like 26 range. You're not going to spend that much to get him because then you're just paying draft day price. If you could get him, Roth, let's. I'm going to throw some numbers out here. If you could get him for someone rolling at top 40, is that cheap enough to do it for you? I think it is. I would definitely do that. You know, if he give up a top 40 player for Towns, because even though we we know his shooting struggles right now, he's still top 100. So we're not asking him to do too much to make that leap to where his draft day value was, as opposed to Siakam like earlier outside of the top 150 and you want him to get to 30. I don't think that's going to be manageable even at this early point in the season. So yeah, I would definitely spend top 40 to get towns if I could. Here's a couple of names. I'm just going to hit you with a few names, uh, guys near that range that might get it done. Would you give away Evan Mobley to get cat back? Ooh. Yeah. I'm going to try to make these kind of hard. I think yeah, I would. I, I think I would, but it's tight. Yeah, that one's tight uh, just because it's a similar situation in terms of the roster construct. You know, he's playing next to Jared Allen. Cat's playing next to Rudy Gobert. So I think that one's kind of a toss-up. Um, man. What about um, – I think I'm going Cat on that one by a nose. What about Miles? Yeah. Miles Turner is number 39 ranked right now. Which way do you go on that one? That one's a hard one for me also. Yeah, because of the blocks. Yeah, um, and Miles has been in a bunch of blowouts, so he's only playing about 26 yeah. minutes a game so far. I might, uh, I think I might still go Cat. Barely. Would, yeah, it'll be tough because within the span of a week, the Pacers have been involved in two games where the winning team has scored over 150 yeah, points. Yeah, it's crazy. That doesn't feel... That doesn't feel like something that that roller coaster of getting blown out one week and then you blow someone out the next. I don't think that's going to happen throughout the whole season. So, 
I think Turner's minutes will improve. Yeah, that's tough. Yeah, it's a hard one. Alperin, I, Alperin, Shengun. Here's another hard one. I'm going. I think I'm going Cat there as well. Yeah, Shengun's been really good thus far. He doesn't bring that as much defensive production as I'd want from a center. Um, yeah, and plus he's got other variables around him down there in Houston. I think Cat would be a bit more sustainable, so I would make that move. But the other two. I'm not so sure about. All right, let's do a couple more of uh, underperforming superstars so far. I, I I probably should have organized these better um, because I <laughs> I think I I think I put all of the ones at the beginning that mm-hmm. didn't seem like they were coming back, and now I think I've got all the ones at the end that do kind of seem like they're coming back. Yeah. Uh, but let's talk about Trey Young is the next one on the board. Um. It's not that it's been like a bad start to the year. He's number 75 in nine cat. And a lot of that is because of the two categories we knew were going to be problematic for him. Turnovers and field goal percent. Let's keep this one simple. I'm going to, I'm not even sure I need to put his face up on the screen. Is Trey Young going to shoot 33 and a half percent all this damn season? No. Yeah, that was an easy one. But what, okay. So let me actually, let's go straight, Ralph, let's go straight into the harder part of this, which is Mm -hmm. what do you think it would take to get him in a trade right now? Cause I don't, I feel like the person that has Trey is thinking, well, I'm basically getting what I drafted at this point. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. You probably have to give up. I don't know if you'd have to give up a little more than towns in terms of that, that draft value, but I think you're in that ballpark uh, just because. We know what Trey brings to the table, even with the shooting and turnover issues. You know, he's averaging what 22 and 10 based on what you got on the screen there. So, yeah, you're not going to be able to get him at a discount, even with the shooting struggles, because he's going to get over 40, I would assume, you know, at some point. So, yeah, I don't, you're probably going to be giving up, say, third round value, I think, if you wanted to trade for him at this point. Yeah, that maybe worth an exploration. I don't know that it's mm-hmm. going to get done because someone's going to be probably clinging to what he does very yeah. tightly. They drafted him saying, look, this is a guy where I need the points. I need the assists. I don't really want to mess up my team construct. And there, it isn't really like there's a guy near there in that 30 range that's a big assist dude you could give mm-hmm. back that you think is going to finish behind Trey. I think most of the assist guys that are ranked in the 30s right now are also guys you think probably are headed up the board, or at least I do, like Kyrie at 31. He has eight assists a game right now. He probably finishes ahead of Trey Young on a per-game basis this year. Little things like that. So I don't know that there's a great match for this one. Uh, this last one I think could be more fun, and that's Demonis Sabonis. And I don't know that anybody's really noticed that he's gotten off to a slow start, but uh, because probably because the rebounds and the assists are as high as usual. He's at 13.2 boards per game. He's at almost six assists per, per contest. But his ranking is not where people expected. Uh, and so that has, if the, the manager, if Sabonis' manager in a fantasy league is aware, it may have created a little bit of a bubble here. Uh, I think he's ranked at like 80. Let me double check myself on this. 96. 92. Yeah, or 92, yeah. Um, a lot of it feels like it's free throw related. So are you yeah. are you buying a turnaround for Sabonis? Do you think he gets up into the, you know, near 20 where he was last year? Do you have any concerns about what you've seen so far with him? I think the free throw shooting's a concern just because his attempts are slightly higher than what they were last season. I think he's five five and a half per game last year. He's at five point eight right now. 
he's like a 73% career foul shooter. So you have to assume that the improvement will come at some point. Um, man, I would, if I have him, I would hold just because a lot of the other numbers are still fine. Um, the biggest thing in addition to the free throw percentage is biggest things actually De'Aaron Fox ankle injury for one, um, because they, they look like a ship without a captain without him. Um, those two blowouts in Houston are clear examples of that. And also, they were checking out Sabonis' left knee on the bench in the mm. fourth quarter of Tuesday's loss to the Rockets. That's the other concern, but I think I would kind of – he's a hold for me right now because I think the free throw percentage will come back around eventually. All right, last question for you, Roth, before we wrap things up. What do you make of the James Harden deal with the Clippers just from a broad standpoint? And then also we got our first look at the James yeah. Harden Clippers yesterday – uh, which, again, everybody's going to be w- wildly overreacting to uh, mm-hmm. trying to insert a player like that into a, a team yeah. that has all these so many moving pieces. Of course it was going to be ugly. I, If I wasn't chasing multiple kids around, I would have bet my house that the Clippers <laughs> would lose that ball game last night. Mm-hmm. Um, so with the with this sort of pre-caveat that people should not overreact to one ball game, what do you think happens from a fantasy standpoint with Harden, with Kawhi, with Paul George, even with Russ, who had gotten off to a surprisingly yeah. efficient start this year? I got to give credit where credit's due. He was way better that first mm-hmm. two weeks. Um, how much of a hit do you guys take? Do you guys take a hit? What, what's your how, – how do you play this out? Because there's this arc that happens with things like this. Yeah, I think you have to exercise some patience here. Um, a lot of us may have assumed that that Westbrook would be the one to take a hit. Um, I thought he was largely fine against the Knicks on Tuesday. Um, it felt like all those guys are still trying to feel each other out in terms of where they want the ball, when to attack for their own, when to move the ball, whatnot. So it's going to be a feeling out process. Um, in terms of Westbrook, that could potentially be a good thing in the short term because less time with the ball in his hands may keep the turnovers in check. Uh, we've seen that been an issue, be an issue with him throughout his career. Um, yeah, I think I'm exercising patience here. I think I still believe he's the one who potentially takes a hit, if anything. Leonard and George should be fine because they do so much defensively, and they're efficient basketball players offensively too, to where they'll avoid too much of a drop-off. Harden... The days of him being that first-round fantasy player, I think, are long gone. Um, even though he was very good last year in Philadelphia, with the stars they have, is he going to have the ball in his hands enough to be that type of player with the Clippers? I don't know if he's going to be that, but I think he can still be an effective fantasy guy. We got a lot of questions in the chat room, but I want to just highlight one that's sort of buy-sell related. And to those that are are watching live, I probably should have been clearer Uh, If you have questions for this show, I was hoping that they would be more of a buy-sell variety as opposed to, like, who should I bench tonight. Uh, If you guys have those questions, feel free to bring them over. I'm going to be still doing a daily recap show that's coming up. I'll probably start that 15, 20 minutes after the conclusion of this one. But uh, this question from Ryan, do you see Dame Lillard making a big jump with his current play? He had a gigantic season opener, had a bunch of really quiet ones, and then had another good one. What do you see the rest of his season, Roth, looking like uh, as Dame and the Bucks sort of figure out how to gel? I think it'll be fine. Um, I know a lot of us had him like late first round once the trade went through. Um, I think he can be that player. You know, right now he's a third round player in nine cat. So it's not like he has too far to go to reach that point. 
Um, I think this is going to the process when they continue to feel each other out, figure out how the rotations are going to work. I think he's going to be fine. So, yeah, I, big jump for him would probably constitute like top five. I don't know if he'll get that high, but I can see him being a top 10 player in this season. Yeah, I'm not too worried about him either, just to throw in my own two cents on that one. He's Dame. Uh, I was right there yeah. with you, Raf. I, I thought end of first round type of thing. Figured there was some kind of usage hit coming, but like it's Dame. And the nice thing mm -hmm. about it is now that he's in a place where he's he's gunning for something, he was always super-duper healthy, had the abdominal yeah. stuff, but it all a lot of it in Portland just felt like I can't I can't win here anymore. So yeah. like enough's enough sort of deal. Uh, actually, sort of, while we're on that one, uh, how long do you think before Giannis figures out how to settle in this year? Because he's been quietly, and it hasn't all been free throws this season. He's just sort of quietly yeah. been doing a little bit less in a lot of different categories. I think it's the other thing, you know, in terms of feeling things out. He's at 26 points per game, which obviously isn't bad, but we're talking about a guy who's well over 30 in years past in terms of scoring. So I think that's another thing where it will come in time. Um, the biggest thing for me is the free throw percentage. You know, that's going to be something that if you drafted him in the first round, you're pretty much in a free throw punt build from jump because you know, it's not going to be that type of an area of strength for him shot below what 70%, I think for the last five seasons or something to that effect. And he's well on that way of doing that again this year. So I don't know, be first round. I just hope he's not outside of the top 100 as he was last season. Yeah, and I'm a little worried about the fact that his field goal attempts are down from from 20 to 17. Yeah. And mm -hmm. not that not that I wanted his free throws to be at 12 again this year, but they're also under 10. So there has been, so far, a bit of a he doesn't have to do quite as much kind of thing. Now, yeah. uh, you know, all these guys are going to slowly figure things out and, and all that good stuff, but... Um, I think that was the only question that was specifically buy low, sell high. There's like 35 other ones in there. Oh, hey, here's one. I, I know I said I was going to let you go, but I want to swing one more question in there. Zach Collins, is he a sell high or a ride it out for you? Oh, that's a good question. Um, By the way, I I'll throw in my own be... my own two cents on this. I'm I'm good yeah. with just riding it out. Yeah, he's, he's at where I thought he would be, you know, just outside top 100. Maybe you can sneak within that that range. Um in terms of the ceiling, but yeah, I'm fine. If you have him, I think you just hold on to him. Yeah. Um, I act, I, I'm inclined to believe that his three turnovers a game probably come down and the 65% mm -hmm. free throw shooting probably ticks up. He's not going to be like a, a world beater at the foul line, but 65, I got to look it up to make sure I'm not talking out of my rear end. Yeah. He's a 75% career free throw shooter. Mm -hmm. So that like, there's a few things with him that feel like they're going to move in the right direction. If anything, maybe you could even buy on Collins if someone's like, oh, no, he's number 120 right now after two mm. weeks and a couple of days. That's yeah. kind of buying into the weird turnover, uh, low sample size theater thing. Uh, Rafa, I, I, I took more of your time than I said that I would, so I'm going to officially no let worries. you go now. Um, the great Raphael Johnson at Roto World. No longer do we have to call it sports. <laughs> NBC Sports Edge. NBC Roto World at Raphael J. R-A-P-H-I-E-L-L-E-J over on social media. Raf, thank you so much for joining me for the debut edition of A Hot Cold on Fantasy NBA Day. Dan, thanks for having me. Good time. My man. That was Raphael Johnson. That was great. What a blast.
to get to do a buy low, sell high. I've been, you guys have known, I'm, I've been talking about this for a few weeks this year, and it's something that I've wanted to do in my head for a long time because, and some of you might remember this, you, you uh, fantasy NBA today diehards, that the great Brandon Marcus, who used to come on on Wednesdays, I mean, we're talking like four or five years ago now, we called it Brandon Day, he brought buys and sells to the table. I've been wanting to get that back forever, but I also didn't want to miss an actual recap show. So we're just adding it to the mix now. Um, again, thank you to Roth. Follow me on Twitter, at Dan Vespers. Please like, rate, subscribe, however you're taking in this content on your way out the door. Uh, we got another show coming up here in about 15 minutes, so sit tight. That'll be at a different link over on our YouTube page. Uh, but I hope you guys enjoyed this, and it's something that I'd like to do going forward. We'll try to get some guests on to do it uh, as well, um, so we can. I don't have to just yell into the void myself. Have a great next few minutes. I assume I'll see you all for the next show right after this one. Toodaloo for now. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.